The rocket business is heating up, and one startup has grand ambitions of following SpaceX to orbit. Firefly is aiming to be the next SpaceX, a very transformative space transportation company. It aims to be a dominant launch provider for small satellites and payloads up to 1,000 kilograms, below what competitors like SpaceX are going after. Above the medium class, you have Jeff and Elon and the giant rockets and stuff, and they can have that, they can duke it out, and we'll be down there optimally serving the small and medium markets. Its CEO is an industry veteran. He has past experience first at NASA, then at SpaceX, Jeff Bezos' Blue Origin, more recently after that, Virgin Galactic. But even with past experience, building a rocket company is not for the faint of heart. Most rocket companies do not succeed, right? They just don't. Greater than 90% of the whole vehicle is just rocket fuel. But you're having to push every piece of that rocket right to the edge of braking, but not braking. And they're not cheap. Had about $250 million into this project before we even tried to fly the rocket the first time. Over the last 10 years, there's been $6 billion invested into about 100 small launch vehicles, and that has produced one orbital vehicle. But Tom Markusik and others are chasing a vision where space is more accessible. Henry Ford, he decided to build a car for everyone, the Model T. We're sort of creating the Model T of the 21st century. We have been operating in space for decades, but the market has been really limited. On the one hand, you've got a handful of defense contractors, and on the other hand, you have the government. Until SpaceX came in. SpaceX has ignited a frenzy in aerospace, spawning numerous startups hoping to build the next great space company. One of the main reasons I left SpaceX is I realized there needed to be more SpaceX's in the world. We have seen 1,600 space companies raise $230 billion over the last 10 years. Over $10.3 billion in private capital has been put into space companies in 2021, exceeding the previous record last year of $9.8 billion. SpaceX recently surpassed an estimated $100 billion valuation. And while Musk's company represents one end of the spectrum, numerous upstarts are attracting respectable interest. There's a number of companies which are maybe within a year of trying to reach orbit or even have tried to reach orbit already. And those companies are the next players to really enter the competition. While the rewards are great, the risks are high. Firefly already suffered through a bankruptcy and is still trying to reach orbit. Firefly didn't come into existence with a silver spoon in its mouth. It's had to claw and fight for every penny that it has. And then it lost it and then it came back. It is not a mystery that there is a phoenix painted on that rocket. I got one of those Estes model rockets when I was in fifth grade, and that really kind of set me on the course to where I am right now, believe it or not. It was something very different when I went out and I launched that model rocket out in Ohio and saw the smoke and the sound and everything. It just kind of drew me in. After getting his PhD in advanced space propulsion from Princeton, Tom Mercusick began his career working for the U.S. government, spending five years with both the Air Force and NASA. Right now it takes potentially six or eight months to go to Mars, but the technologies we are working on at NASA could get you there in a matter of weeks. All this cool technology we we're developing wasn't ever going to see space until we figured out how to get 
to space in a more efficient way. And at that time, Elon Musk and some other companies were coming up with this new space idea that we can dramatically lower the cost and increase the frequency of access to space. He then went to work at SpaceX as its first director of test operations in McGregor, Texas. And in the process of building up that facility and testing rocket engines day and night and testing Falcon 1s and ultimately Falcon 9s, I really just became intimately knowledgeable about end-to-end -end what it took to build launch vehicles. Mark Cusick went on to work at Blue Origin and Virgin Galactic, where he was VP of Propulsion and helped lead the development of rocket engine systems and new launch vehicles like Launcher 1. Satellites, which had in the past been these giant monolithic pieces of hardware, were shrinking in size and increasing in capabilities. And I really thought there was a divergence between what the up-and-coming new space companies were doing and what the customers needed for this new class of satellites. Ultimately, decided that if I really wanted to create a transformative space transportation company, needed to step out on my own and start my own company, and that was the genesis of Firefly. In January of 2014, Markusek founded Firefly Space Systems alongside PJ King and Michael Bloom. We started with the notion that we would build the world's simplest launch vehicle, the most economic launch vehicle we could. But funding fell through, forcing the company to declare bankruptcy in 2017. Your burn rates are so fast in this business. Uh, you know, our burn rates here now are on the order of $10 million a month. So that was the case with Firefly Space Systems. We ran out of money, we had to shut down. However, Markusek managed to secure new funding later that year, breathing life back into his space ambitions. That company and its assets was effectively resurrected by an investment firm called New Sphere Ventures, which is funded and primarily led by Ukrainian investor Max Polyakolov. It became Firefly Aerospace. Tom Markusek was reinstated as founder, CEO. NewSphere funded Firefly for about $200 million, and that was our whole seed round that got us to the point of having viable technology to go out and fly. This year, Firefly raised an additional $175 million. Historically, some of the great entrepreneurs, the great industrialists, there was a rough road getting going, and they learned from it, and they kept going. The key is they never quit. This new company has a better business plan, a better technology plan, a better funding plan than the other company, without a doubt. To get to space, Firefly has spent the past few years building its Alpha launch vehicle. Alpha is Firefly's two-stage expendable vehicle. It's the world's largest all-carbon fiber composite rocket, and it has uh, patented, world's simplest rocket engines. It can carry up to 1,000 kilograms to low Earth orbit, and it's priced at about $15 million per launch. Eventually, with our progressive upgrades, it'll be able to do about 1,500 kilograms. We build everything ourselves so that we can control cost and schedule. About a year of design, about two years of developmental testing, and about one year of qualifying hardware to get to flight. So all in all, about four years for us to get to the launch pad. When it comes to rockets, a launch company is typically expected to invest about $100 million before successfully reaching orbit. We have to build systems that have super high propulsion, super light structures. Everything has to be very, very efficient. And it's hard to test it on the Earth because Earth is not like space. While you're trying to build the hardware, you're also trying to build a team. And, and roughly in the last four years, we've been doubling the size of the team every year to the point that we're up to about 500 people now. Several at Firefly have come from other space companies such as SpaceX, Blue Origin, and NASA. You have to have really smart engineers. 
structures engineers, some mechanical engineers, some materials engineers, it's electrical engineers that do the avionics, it's software engineers and developers, it's reliability analysts, it's trajectory engineers, it's just so many different disciplines that all come together. After you spend all that money and all that time and you have all those people working for your company, you don't really know if the thing's gonna work until you go out and test it. This is the Reaver engine. This is our first stage engine. This engine is essentially what will be installed on the vehicle. Every engine that we will fly goes through what's called an acceptance testing protocol. And what ATP is seeking to do is both tune the engine, so make sure we have the right amount of propellants in the right combination, as well as ensure the workmanship and quality of that engine itself. We are standing on TS2 for testing the various rocket stages, so stage one and stage two, both get tested right here. That actually is where the fire goes through when we ignite the engine. Everything we do here is meant to simulate the launch conditions so that when we get there, it's game day. Once things are rigorously tested in Texas, and we transport them to the launch sites, do the final integration of the vehicle, put them out on the launch pad, and we just do one final hot fire test where we put the rocket up, we pretend we're going to launch it, we light it, we let it run, and just verify that everything's in perfect order before we actually just do the final thing, which is let it fly. 16% on O2. Made it all the way. <laughs> We've been working on this for years and years. A lot of money's gone into this, and tomorrow's the, the payoff. It's just such an incredible feeling to finally be at this day. Ten-foot clear of the town for hydraulic operations. That status is amber.
During the first flight, we had a failure where one of the engines simply just turned off in flight, and it turned out it was just a simple electrical connector that, that rattled loose. To go to all that effort and to have it fail feels like a lot of other things that happened in this company. To go all that effort and then run out of money, have to shut down, lay everybody off, boot back up. It's one of those things that's, that's deeply troubling, but in the back of your mind, you have the conviction that ultimately you'll be successful. A lot of companies over the year have attempted the same thing and failed to do so on their first tries, but have been ultimately successful. This is a business that is quite unforgiving. And even though we had an engine out, we got a lot of flight time, so we got a lot of aerodynamics data, we got a lot of uh, control data, we got a lot of data about how the, how the rocket moves, even up through supersonic speed, so that data is gold. The company isn't skipping a beat, aiming to conduct its next flight in early 2022. The plan is to have the vehicle behind us fully ready to go by the end of the year and launch as soon as we can in, in the beginning of the new year. Now it's about refinement. In every flight, you make it easier and easier and easier. We have people looking as far out as like flight six and flight seven. Firefly's Alpha rocket will compete in the small to medium launch market. For $15 million, it will take payloads such as small satellites to low Earth orbit. In comparison to competitors, Rocket Lab's smaller Electron costs $7 million per launch, Astra's is cheap as $2.5 million, and ABL's RS-1 costs $12 million per launch. To provide context, SpaceX Falcon 9 costs about $62 million per launch. The company is also developing a higher capacity rocket, which it says will be capable of carrying up to 8,000 kilograms. We've got some great strategic partnerships potentially set up with that that will allow us to start flying hardware in as little as a couple of years. Down the road, Firefly has additional plans for a winged reusable rocket. These are long-term development projects that they really won't be able to spend much time on and, and really won't be able to see the light of day until their core central businesses are up and running first. The company is positioning itself as an end-to-end -end space transportation company. We are not a rocket company. A rocket is an important part of it, but it's really one-third of our whole space transportation architecture. The Blue Ghost is our lunar lander solution that fulfills the NASA Commercial Lunar Payload Services mission. We won our first proposal. It's originally at $93 million. It's taking 10 payloads, just under 100 kilograms worth of NASA experiments. NASA's Artemis program aims to return humans to the moon. Leading up to those missions, projects like Blue Ghost will deliver scientific research to the surface. Blue Origin, SpaceX, and some others are, are working on the human lander solution part of the problem. And there are these precursor missions, smaller science missions to understand that environment better. This program, though, is really representative of NASA's push to becoming more of a customer rather than being a manufacturer itself. Firefly is not the only one that's won a contract. They've been awarding them steadily in about the 70 to $100 million range. We have a couple payloads that are studying the lunar regolith, the lunar soil. We have a couple payloads that are performing science experiments on the way to the moon and then once on the lunar surface. Some that are studying the magnetic field of the moon, some that are studying the magnetic field of the Earth. We've got a couple batteries in there. On this side, we have one of our payloads here different electronics control boxes that distribute uh, communications and power. 
We have this retro reflector. I think a lot of the retro reflectors that are on the moon right now are still from the Apollo era. To start getting accurate distances to the lunar surface. This is one of the payloads that I think is the coolest. It's called LMS. They have these little probes that are going to shoot out and land on the lunar surface, and they have a big mast that's going to go up and measure the magnetic field of the lunar surface. And I think that just sounds so cool. Every kilogram is worth about a million dollars, so weight savings is crucial. So we've done this stuff called generative design, where you use a computer algorithm to optimize the structure to survive the loads it needs to survive and nothing else. The company is planning to launch in 2023 using SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket. Starting next year, it's all about building the flight hardware. And then we basically have a good six months to test it before we eventually fly it. To test how Blue Ghost will perform on the mission, they've recreated the lunar surface for simulations. Our chief engineer always says, we're going to make sure we test like we fly. So that lunar lander sim, we use it for our vision navigation system. You just want to eliminate as many unknowns as possible. While at SpaceX, Mercusek witnessed the development of the Dragon capsule program for high-revenue resupply missions to the space station and sought similar opportunities for Firefly. The rocket gives you the keys to space. It's critically important, but the big revenue is doing things in space. Blue Ghost, fully loaded with payload, can generate about $150 million of revenue for the company. Alpha, on the other hand, the launcher, is about $15 million retail per flight. Firefly says it's also competing for rover projects, and the company is developing a space utility vehicle. We're developing a, a vehicle called SUV, Space Utility Vehicle, and it's kind of the do-everything utility vehicle, the Swiss Army knife of spacecraft. Having this spacecraft that can just hang out in orbit and transport things, that can service things, that can relay things, is going to be really big for us. Launches are picking up. In 2020, there were a total of 114 orbital launches, 41 of which were commercial. Today, we are in something of an entrepreneurial space age, and we're moving into an era that's going to be basically the SpaceX age when Starship comes online. We're talking about going from $100,000 per kilogram in the shuttle era to $1,000-ish dollars a kilogram with Falcon Heavy to $10 a kilogram with Starship. The broader global space economy is already worth more than $423 billion, and Bank of America forecasts that the space industry as a whole is expected to reach $1.4 trillion by 2030. Space is the, the next frontier for the information revolution. So everything that's been going on in the last few decades with the growth of the internet is now going to be served from space. Why? You can distribute information more efficiently around the Earth from the vantage point of space having internet from the sky, internet everywhere. Most of the money in terms of the billions and billions of dollars that's been spent in the past decade has mostly centered in either building rockets or building satellites. There's also been steady growth in a couple other subsectors underneath there, such as uh, suborbital space tourism and in-space manufacturing and other data services. We're starting to see companies start to go public, those companies start to get acquired. Investor interest in SPACs is high. Both Virgin Orbit and Rocket Lab have taken advantage of this to raise additional capital. I don't want to use uh, going public as, as just another way to fund development, but I think it's a possibility this time next year we could be talking about you know, a public offering of Firefly. The company is up against a lot of competition. Several startups are aggressively fundraising and working to get rockets off the ground. We are tracking a little less than 100 companies that have been started by SpaceX alumni. There are a lot of companies that talk about doing this, 
but there are very few elite crowd that can actually do it. And within the next few months, when we go out and fly that second rocket, we're gonna enter that elite stratosphere of the companies that can actually do this in a repeatable way. But once Firefly and others succeed in reaching space, they will be confronted with another challenge, building and refining operations for regular spaceflight. We want to launch 24 rockets in 2024. One of the things that's going to help us hit that cadence is to fly our next flight as soon as possible and the one after that as soon as possible and start conquering that learning curve as quickly as you can such that you can step into repeatable builds. For them to be a viable business, they're going to need to get into other things. The company is reportedly in talks to provide engine technology to competing launch company Astra. The contract specified as many as 50 of the Reaver engines for Astra to use on their own rockets and for future development. We're very open and willing to help other companies that are coming up by um, sharing what, what we've built, but also making a lot of money along the way in the act of sharing. With all of the activity in aerospace, the company says selling components could be a big business. Our vision here is to create an e-commerce marketplace where you can buy all kinds of components, rocket engines, valves, all the building blocks. Customers can buy things as anonymously as you and I can buy things on Amazon. The ideal scenario in 20 years from now, whether it's our rocket or somebody else's rocket, there's probably going to be Firefly components on that mission. With the inherent risks in the industry, the road ahead will be a tough one. I don't know a single rocket company that is in existence right now that has not had very low lows and very high highs, even into its mature phases. There's no doubt consolidation is coming. <laughs> so there, I don't think there are a room for 100 launcher companies, maybe not even, you know, maybe 10 launcher companies. We see the consolidation coming and, and we want to sort of team up and form uh, new enterprises with players that we think are the most viable for the future. We've already seen that companies that maybe falter or go by the wayside often get acquired. And so that is not necessarily a bad thing. Everyone doesn't need to succeed because it actually can seed growth throughout the rest of the industry. But that isn't deterring those who have a vision where a future in the stars isn't that far off. I don't want this to be another bubble like when we went to the moon originally back in the late 60s, early 70s, where we forgot all that technology. I want to lay the roads now so that generations after generations can use those same roads to get to the moon, get to Mars, go beyond that. I can honestly say this has been a really difficult thing to do, but there's never been a day where just the spark hasn't lit inside me and still just made me feel very blessed and fortunate to be doing this. We're creating great 21st century jobs but I'll also just see people in airports and such that will just come up to me because they see the Firefly logo and they're like, hey, I was with you the whole time I was watching that launch and everything it was so exciting. All my friends were watching and everything. And it just clicks in my mind that, you know, what we're doing is not only inspiring to me, but what's more important is it's inspiring to, to thousands of people. I can't get enough of this and I hope I get to keep doing it for a long, long time.